Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey, nice shirt. Oh, we're wearing the same shirt. Hey, we are wearing the same shirt. We are wearing the same shirt. We're wearing the same shirt. We're wearing the same shirt. We're wearing the same shirt. Oh, no, actually, we're not. That's, um, your, your ghost face is not holding a knife. Oh. Mine is. Never, I never even noticed that Which before. It makes me a little bit better, I think. Um, I don't, I don't think it makes you any, it doesn't make you better than I'm me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't um, have to be sorry. Talk to me. There's no reason to be sorry because I'm better than you, actually. I'm better than you. <laughs> Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, that's Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, it's the Bone Breaker's biggest fan, <laughs> Trey Kirby. <laughs> I got an A.O. <laughs> I got an A.O. <laughs> and last but not least, over yonder... Making the magic happen. Super producer, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away, subscribe to No Dunks if you haven't done that. We are oh so close to 69,000 subs. Nice. nice. <laughs> oh, man, I thought you were going to do it. Go get your No Dunks merch <laughs> over at nodunks.com so you can have the same shirt as your friend and then sing that little did, diddy mm-hmm. uh, that we saw there in the cold open. I'm, I'm waiting, actually. I was going to surprise everybody with uh, a 69, 699. That's what I'm going to screenshot when we get to uh, oh, sub, subs. And we, and we are pretty Great. close. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah super close. All right, who's going to be Might the happen. hero? Might happen now. Uh, we got a new No Bunts for you if you're a baseball fan. That just went up on the Athletic Baseball Show feed. Tass and Joel talking about the five best things in baseball this week. Yeah, we had a blast. Really good stories going on in Major League Baseball. Joel got to assign corporate names to Major League Baseball teams like they do in, uh, in Asia. Mm. You're Swiss Chalet Blue Jays, for instance, if, if you know the Swiss Chalet cool. chain, uh, and they give you a, a little dish at the end of your meal to wash your hands yeah, in. Yeah, a little lemon in it. Oh, I love that. I love that. But apparently they stopped doing it. Oh, really? Yeah. COVID. That's what I said, but it's actually more clean than COVID. That's a good point. It's reducing germs. Yeah, I did That's like killing that. germs. It was just a little bowl of water with, with some lemon in it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to use a napkin. You get to wash your hands in a bowl. Mm, okay. Anyway. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be checking that out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we talk about baseball. No bunts. Go find that on the YouTube feed, The Athletic Baseball Show, or, of course, the podcast feed if you want to listen to the guys talk about the MLB and, uh, and other uh, baseball leagues across the world. Uh, before we get into it, happy Wedgie Day to everyone. Oh. Mm. Yes, May 10th is Wedgie Day. I think it became that because this was the day we, for the first time, hit 50 wedgies in a season. Marcus Smart got us over the hump there uh, way back when. But uh, 
no wedgies last night. Too Maybe bad. we'll get them today. Today is actually wedgie day. We could set the all-time record for wedgies in a season if we get two tonight. I think Durant nearly had one last night, if yeah, I remember close. correctly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, like yeah. stuck for a second and then mm. dropped out. Mm. But a uh, happy wedgie day to everyone that celebrates. Let's get into the games from last night. Uh, we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Joel Embiid scoring 33, pretty dominant on both ends, Tass, as the 76ers beat the Celtics handedly. 115-103 for the 3-2 series lead. They are one win away from the conference finals. What do you think? That was a blow-up in Boston. Yeah, they crushed them. That was a pretty embarrassing loss for the Celtics. You mentioned Embiid's 33. He hasn't had to have a super dominant game in this series quite yet. Came back in game two, shook the rust off. He was subpar. But since then, yeah, he's been he's been rolling 30, 34, and 33. I was just so surprised that the Celtics weren't pushing the ball in this one. The old Celtics problem of not getting into their sets, just taking forever, especially when you have a slightly hobbled Embiid who did drop the knee brace. But they only had five transition points. Just watching this team, it just it, it it's maddening, I'm sure, as a Celtics fan, how long they take. And I think a lot of the blame has to go on Tatum for running the offense the way he did yesterday. Of course, he was cold shooting the ball. His first shot from three-point land, way left. You don't want to see that. And the fact that he didn't really rectify it. He, he had some nice passes, but he was getting into the rim, and, and a couple times he just decided to pass out to the three-point line. Nobody had the urgency to dominate. What are they missing in that locker room for them to go back home and not not have the urgency to get into their sets? Are they missing an Ime Yudoka just getting on them, being that aggressor to start things on their possessions? Because it was maddening. Five transition points and just standing out on an island, not passing to each other enough uh, and just taking so long. And then, yeah, the Sixers have obviously got the momentum, sucked the life out of them. To see that at home was very, very odd. And the Celtics have... It's not over, but uh, how can you possibly think they're going to win this series after watching that at home? It is important to say it's definitely not over. We saw this last year with the Celtics go down 3-2 to the Bucks. They have. And it looked like they were dead in the water. And then Tatum had a monster game six. And they go into winning seven and obviously make the finals. But Philly's three best players last night, TK, you and I in playback were watching this one. They had this game under control. Embiid, Maxi. Harden, and then they had other guys contributing, Tobias Harris, House off the bench. Uh, they, like, everybody chipped in for Philadelphia, led by Joel Embiid, I thought, on both ends last night. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I feel like this was probably the best game that the Sixers have played in the playoffs so far, but I also feel like Embiid didn't play out of his mind. Harden didn't play out of his mind. Maxi probably his best game of the playoffs so far, but that was basically because Harden and Embiid were so good together. It mm-hmm. felt like Harden could get the perfect shot for the Sixers every time he was handling the ball. Anytime uh, that Boston would put two on the ball, it was either an easy drop-off to Embiid for a 15-footer. The guy didn't score a restricted area basket last night. It was all jumpers yeah. from Embiid. Or if somebody actually came up to Embiid, he would be able to find Maxi. seemed like Maxi made a three-pointer every time Boston was trying to cut into the lead, but Philadelphia looked perfect last night. They yeah. played defense, they got good shots, and the Celtics at this point are a live-by-the-three, die-by-the-three kind of team. That's the thing that's missing to me. They don't really have an identity besides making three-pointers, and a lot of that is losing Udoka. He was the toughest guy on the team last year, which is a problem when it's your coach. But look, they went 9 for 32 from three before garbage time last night. The white guys hit some when the game was completely out of hand. But the Celtics have to hit threes to win. Otherwise, 
they're not able to fall back on their defense like they were last year. Robert Williams almost won Defensive Player of the Year, and he's a non-factor yeah. in this series. Marcus Smart is an offensive player at this point. Um, so, I don't know. The Celtics this season, a lot of the same things that happened to them happened last season, but it feels different to me. Um, so, I don't know. They just got to shoot well. That's how they win. That's the only way they win. Yeah, and if you're going to look back and at this series at the end and and – look at this game and say sometimes yeah, we don't shoot well that's that we lose this way or, or we win this way you're gonna say oh game one they gave up that opportunity there to win against a heart or a, i'm sorry a joel and beadless sixers team where they imploded basically on both ends uh and then game four the foul i'm sorry the foul the double on uh, joel and that allowed james yeah. harden for that three-point shot but the, still, the, it feels different because the threes are just raining down and they're just deciding not to go at the rim it's just there's well, a big lot part of, of that is never shot free throws are gone to the rim, though. Yeah, and, and and the way like I do think this when you consider the defensive end, this was Embiid's best game of the playoffs so far. Probably his best game since he put 52 on the Celtics at the end of the regular season because of what he did, getting in the heads of Celtics guys attacking. I thought two or three times Tatum made a business decision as the offensive player, going, "Well, no, Embiid's right there." No chance. We saw the Embiid chase down block after his bad turnover on Jalen Brown. He had that other one, TK, where Embiid stopped the drive to the rim. The pass was dished off to the other guy right by the net, and he somehow still got there and blocked that one. I thought he was so locked in. Kirk Goldsberry had the numbers uh, per the tracking. The Celtics went 8 for 26 when Embiid was the primary defender and 4 of 15 when he contested their shot. And then he included uh, the four block shots there, some of those of like highlight nature. I thought he was incredible on that end and it like it compounded this idea of like the Celtics missing three so you're like okay attack the rim attack the rim but then he's there and so they're in their head a little bit and it goes to what Trey said as well that's not really their game Tatum got he to the line a lot free throws. Yeah, Smart took 10 free throws yep. the Celtics as a team took 34 they shot more free throws than Philadelphia did and that's a Grifton kind of team mm-hmm. so Boston was doing what they could they just didn't hit threes and I mean when they don't hit threes it's kind of, they can't win because, like, look at Al Horford. He was getting lit up by by Embiid the entire night. He has to make threes on the other side to make him worthy of playing. And he went 0 for 7. And he had wide open looks all night. This guy led the league in three-point percentage this season. And he's missing wide, wide open looks. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's really the game right there. Because if Horford can't play defense and he can't play offense, he's their best big guy. Then what? Yeah, I do think... Uh, th- the shot selection, even though they do end up shooting threes, just happen way too late and were sort of forced uh, in shot clocks. Like they just weren't getting into their stuff. And the point guard, as as what Jason Tatum was last night, that's what he was. He was running the show mm-hmm. for the entire thing. He was getting up every shot himself, um, and, and yeah, he did get early. Uh, he he was making passes. He he did have a few of them where he didn't want to lay it up at the rim. I don't think it was a Joel Embiid thing. He just decided that he was passing out uh, to start this game. He he took 27 shots, shot poorly from three-point land, and wasn't running the team properly. Wasn't getting into his sets. And whether that's uh, the they coach don't have yelling, sets. They have no sets. They have no sets. They have to start earlier just moving the ball. I mean, that's... But they, 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 even, want... they even talk about it. Like, they just run a random offense, I believe, is the word Marcus Smart uses. Randomness is the thing. Yeah, there's no, sure. there's no, it's like... randomizer. I mean, the Sixers have, obviously, Harden and Embiid pick-and-roll action they can go to. You can go to Embiid in the post or at the free-throw line as a post-up action. Run off that. This The Celtics, they really... It, it's tough. Like, tell me, what is their... What's a play that they, they run? You know, we see, obviously, pick-and-roll action up top like every team. 
But it, you're, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Tass. It's just like a lot of like it's. There's not a lot of. There was no forcing of any really action last night, and the Sixers punched them in the face first, and they sort of cowered. Uh, they tried to get back into it by shooting threes, and it's worked before, but nobody could really hit them. Especially yeah, Horford. That is the, that is the Celtics' game plan. Unfortunately, like I think Tatum was their best player last night. Like clearly, he, nobody else came along for the ride in the second half. Well, he wasn't letting Brown along for the ride. I mean, he started poorly. Uh, he was like that one, was one for say. seven to start. He starts poorly. He's yeah. had two back to back slow starts. Jason Tatum has, and it puts the Celtics behind the eight ball where yep. they're chasing. And the way they chase is try to shoot threes. Yep. And then they just take turns trying to shoot threes is really what it feels like. And it's like, I got to make back all 20 points right now by hitting one three-pointer. And it never works out that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, the, the Sixers basically shot 50-40-90 for a whole game. So they played pretty well <laughs> on both ends of the court. And then the Celtics just, I don't know, they just don't seem to always come through when you expect them to come through, but it's when the cards are down that they are at their absolute best. But it's so disappointing for the Celtics to be on the verge of elimination, and the quotes coming out of the locker room are just, yeah, we just didn't have it tonight for some reason. It ain't March. You got to have it in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, I mean, I know a lot of people are questioning Missoula as the head coach of this team. Maybe his youth, his obviously inexperience, his coaching style compared to like a Udoka and stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty glaring right now. And he's he's gotten nothing from some of these guys that were instrumental to their finals run, especially Time Lord. Um, that was wild. Boston's offense, they just couldn't string together like any sort of like consecutive basket, especially in the second half. I think they did it once in the fourth quarter. There was a Brogdon layup and a Tatum man one. And then that was sort of it. And credit to the Sixers because they always answered it. Maxi hit a three. And Embiid hit a three. In between that, you had Jalen Brown missing some free throws. But, you know, Maxi the 30 points, that was huge. He had played like garbage against the Celtics all regular season. Had sort of sort of been very, very quiet in this series, too. Harden took over, obviously, in the in the two wins in games one and four. But that was huge. And Tobias Harris and House. I mean, House was a bit of a surprise. House Jr. coming. Dan House. He suddenly is just called Dan. Dan. I've noticed now. Yeah, I'm saying, <laughs> you know, the rights to Ricky Sanchez. They just call him Dan House. He's like a new guy here. But 10 points on 5 of 7 shooting, 5 boards in great energy. And Tobias Harris, the box score is not going to blow you away. He was in a little bit of a foul trouble. Can you remember him playing that hard in a playoff game before? Like, he, lo- he was like, he was taking on like some Tucker mentality. Oh, yeah, they feel like they've won this series. I mean, you could see it, uh, Tyrese Maxey running down the throat of the Celtics while the Celtics should be the more athletic team. They've got the the younger roster overall, the younger starting lineup. The, the Embiid is, air quotes, hobbled. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should be going at him. And, and to only score five transition points and to have uh, a really poor efficiency in transition versus they're actually scoring better in the half court, which doesn't make sense. Uh, they, they lack this urgency and... You could blame Missoula for them not getting into sets faster, but I think that's that's just the biggest thing. It's 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 on Tatum, and to some degree, it's on Smart. And yeah, Jalen Brown, who had a really good game offensively. Uh, I know PJ Tucker wore him down and was doing a really good job of that. And they've got the attitude on that side, but Jalen Brown was damn efficient. And one more time, <laughs> and he and just disappears every game. Yeah, they every have to get him game. involved. I mean, really. yeah, but that's the problem when you have Marcus Smart as your point guard. Like he's a good playmaker, but he's not a great playmaker, and he's not a distributor. And then Tatum has taken steps, certainly five assists last night. He handles the ball and he gets good shots. I do think, but also he's more of a scorer. Um, so Brown will go quarters without touching the ball, and then when he does touch the ball, it's 
it's almost 50-50 if he's going to get to the rim or if he's going to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had this, the, the second best offense this season because they were good at randomizing faster. <laughs> and that's where Jalen Brown would touch the ball when they would actually mm-hmm. get into sets faster. It's just taking They look slower forever. than the Sixers, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, anything else from this game? Anyone else you wanted to point out? Uh, obviously brought up House scoring layups in transition. <laughs> he had a couple of those. Uh, I think Harden threw him an alley-oop at one point. I mean, he was feeling it. Again, this guy was like, I think people saw that game last night and were like, House is on this team? <laughs> the guy that played with Harden on the Rockets? Is that him? Um, yeah, well, anything else from this one? Or performances? No. I, I, yeah, it was... Uh... Everybody's doing it now, like pulling out a guy in game four, game five, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Lonnie Walker, now Daniel House. There's the Landry Shamit game. It's happening. Bruce Brown, maybe, last night. We'll get to that game. He had a big one. Yeah. Well, some of it in the he's blowout. He's playing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other guy's just, <laughs> oh, yeah, true. he's on our bench. Pull him out. Uh, so do you have any faith here in the Celtics to come back to win this series? Oh, yeah. You do? I don't know about to come back and win the series, but I still think this could be a seven-gamer uh, for sure. I mean, who knows what will happen in... Game seven, the Celtics won two game sevens last year. Like you're saying, they yep. bounced back um, against the Bucks last season. When the Celtics look beat, that's when they're, they're most dangerous. So I assume they're probably going to win by 30 in game six. <laughs> it probably will go like that. It's possible, for sure. I, I did love, uh, I'm trying to find it right now. There was a great tweet from uh, Sixers fan Andrew Unterberger talking about like the crowds that both fan bases there's no real home court advantage in this Nobody series because they're team. terrified of their own team and that definitely was the case in boston last night and we've seen already in this series even in game one it sort of happened there in philadelphia as well they're just like no one wants to get too excited everyone's worried you know the you know fall's gonna floor out fall's gonna floor fall <laughs> the floor is gonna fall out yeah, we've watched too much yeah, basketball. Yeah, Simmons said the same thing. Uh, it's uh, interesting. They both literally said the same thing. That, that, they're just, that n- nobody trusts their team. Everybody yeah. is sitting on their hands, and then the Sixers come out and they stole that thing. How often do you have a Game 5 blowout like that on the opposing team's floor? And that's... It, it happened for the Celtics last year, right? Didn't the Bucks come in and smash them? Was that then? They, I then think so, yeah. went for 48? I think that's right. In game six. Uh, we'll see if they can replicate that. Uh, somebody else is going to have to help out here, of course. I mean, we keep saying this in every series. Like, the stars do their part. And, yeah, you need a secondary or a third guy. And the Sixers, I mean, again, I don't want to gloss over the fact. It was a closer fact, game. Then. Was it a closer? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to gloss over the fact that, like, everybody played well for the Sixers. Everybody. Embiid as their MVP guy. Maxi was really the secondary guy last night that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for, and he just felt loose, and he was just like obviously letting it fly from deep. Harden had a just a a good solid game. I mean, James Harden didn't shoot a lot. Like no. you like you he was like more than happy to facilitate and sort of let Maxi, like we said, take on that secondary scoring role. And Tobias, I thought had the dog in him last night. Again, I'm shocked. I cannot think of many Tobias Harris games where he's like the leading rebounder at the half. And, like, just had an attitude to him. Uh, and then House was sort of found money there, um, scoring in transition, especially for them. Good. Yeah, Embiid hasn't had a quite a, have a monster quite yet. You know, 34 is his max in this series. That could happen at home. You've got Harden with his good luck charm. John Howe, I assume, going to be there. Point, uh, right? The victim of the, the MSU shooting. I'm sure, hopefully he'll be there for, for James Harden. Yeah, they've got momentum. That's absolutely true. But yeah, the Celtics, they are that team. <laughs> Back against the wall. That's when they perform. And there is the whole thing. Whether you believe in it or not, Doc Rivers has found himself up in many series before. <laughs> and his team has caved 
I mean, he's had like what three three one series leads, which means he had three three two series <laughs> leads that also went on to uh, to be lost. So, yeah, it's like I don't think Sixers fans are like, yeah, going to the conference finals, baby. You know, we'll see no you way. in Miami for game one. <laughs> no way. Yeah, not at all, and uh, you can't blame them. Um, all right, well, let's move on, unless there's anything else from Game 5. Thanks to everybody that joined us on Playback. We had a blast thinking about maybe doing a Game 6 uh, later this week, probably with that one being the early start time. But the late game last night, the Nuggets beat the Suns 118-102 uh, in their Game 5, pivotal Game 5, to regain their series lead. Trey, let's start with you on this one. Um, really close first half. And then I screwed up everything, tweeting, I think we're going to get an instant classic here in the second half of this game five. And the Nuggets just blew them out of the water in the third quarter. And then we even got garbage time. But. Yeah, I got some garby. Yeah. little garby time. I thought it was going to play out uh, similar to the game where we saw Jokic and Devin Booker going head-to-head in the third quarter. Jokic did his part. I think he scored 17 in the third. That was the huge quarter for the Nuggets. But Devin Booker finally didn't have it. For once and for all in this playoff series, he only went, I think, one for eight or one for nine in the third quarter, and that's when Denver really took the lead. We've been talking a lot about Booker and how well he's been playing so far, but it kind of obscured the fact that the that the Suns have needed 80 points combined from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant to get these wins. Only 54 combined last night between Booker and KD. The role players didn't play well for Phoenix either, being back on the road. So the Nuggets are able to win big. They looked a lot like the Game 1 Nuggets to me. A lot faster. They were making a point to push the pace on misses, on makes. They were ball pressuring Devin Booker, throwing him into some tough looks. They looked better shooting. They got 31 points in transition. They got 32 assists on 42 makes. Like, this was just a nice Denver Nuggets game. Uh, Getting good contributions from the compost crew as well. Bruce Brown was incredible. Christian Brown was almost as good with his defense on Kevin Durant and his dunks. Even Jeff Green made a couple of layoffs. So, really nice one for the Nuggets. I mean, Jokic, he kind of dominated this game and it just felt like he was cruising along. No big deal. So, good win. It feels like in this series, the Suns are going to squeak by and the Nuggets are going to smash when they win. It's it's true. Uh, The Jokic minutes were fun. You try and defend him in a bunch of different ways. They fronted him, even Big Eight in fronting him at times, and they're just going over the top. They just found a way. Durant looks small when he gets him in the post. It, it was dominant. It was a, dom- a real classic home court win. The way they're running out in the first quarter, they had 13 first quarter transition points, but a great response in the second quarter uh, from the Suns. Yeah, uh, they came back, and they were obviously trying to keep Devin Booker. Uh, slowed down in transition. The guy was averaging 10 fast break points per game himself coming into this game. And uh, the Nuggets uh, were trying to slow him down, and they did in the third quarter, but he had a great first half in 19 points. Uh, he was feeling good. Durant, unfortunately, he was he was slow to start, one of eight uh, to start, and then the, the five turnovers at, in the end. I thought he was. I thought he was horrible. Yeah, he, I think he had the greatest twenty six eleven and seven, or sorry, the worst twenty six eleven and seven line, maybe of his career for sure, and of maybe of any player. That's a good line. Like that's an incredible line. I thought he was bad. Yeah, I mean, he, lo- he looked away. gassed, no doubt. I mean, he's played a lot of minutes here. And he played all 24 first half minutes, right? And they did a great job of obviously just trying to get up into space as much as possible. He was taking Durant shots that you know he can hit in his sleep, and then some of them were bouncing out, but like he was missing free throws, the turnovers. Watch him in the second half in that third quarter. His defensive effort, I throw in air quotes, he's standing around. 
He's I, like, he's probably just tired. <laughs> he is doing nothing. He's not doing nothing. Um, and so I, I just thought it was a brutal game. It was. From him. It, it was weird because Nuggets are up 15 first in the first quarter. Suns come back. They're, they've taken the lead on a Terrence Ross three late in the second. So you go into half. You got to feel pretty good if you're the Suns. Uh, but then in that third quarter. I thought it was a weird move uh, from Monty Williams, who wants a three-point shooter instead of Josh Okogie out there, who's struggling. They go with Landry Shamit, and that just woke up Jamal Murray. Oh. Jamal oh, Murray did not have a good torched. did not have a good first half. No. And Jamal Murray is that kind of guy. He's a fake Canadian. He's not real. He likes <laughs> he likes to be sparked by something on the floor that gets him going. And he saw Shamit on the other side. He just went at him, and that woke him up big time, big time. And I'm not sure if if they try and start him. In game number six, because they don't trust Josh Kogi. They want somebody else who can shoot the ball. I get it, um, because they're such a top-heavy team. But I don't know. Murray likes going at Shamit. He likes it. He likes going at that beard. So that that really changed things. And, and it was just a classic yeah, home court game where you saw the, the Nuggets take care of all three games so far at home. And they are even so confident that they can go into the Phoenix Suns huddle and do a little... A little, oh, I'm, I'm listening to your huddle type thing, as they did at the end of the third quarter in a playoff game. This is their home court. They can do what they want. Bruce Brown goes in there, uh, and then Jokic follows in. Like, they're just joking around. We're up 20. We can do whatever the hell we want. And that leads to a, a little skirmish where Kevin Durant gets called for a tech for pushing out uh, Jokic. What else is he supposed to do? <laughs> it's a, a huddle. I mean, just let him stand there? <laughs> Monty Williams said <laughs> after the, the game he watch. thinks it should be a, a rule that you can't do it. That was a great quote. This should be a written rule. <laughs> I cannot... assume it's an unwritten rule. Don't sneak into the huddles, yeah. but we need it legislated. <laughs> I would love to hear um, the, the, the halftime locker room speeches from Michael Malone last night to his Nuggets compared to, let's say, Joe Missoula with the Celtics. I'm going to guess they were very, very different because they came out, the Nuggets, in, in the second half pissed off, especially Jamal Murray, who had suddenly like this fire in him, this intensity. He's like, you cannot guard me, Shamit, and was like stepping to him, smirking at him, gave away a tech because of it. He didn't care. Uh, I think Malone must have laid into this team. Like, this is game five. We're at home. This could be the series... We should be up way more. We played really well in the first half until we couldn't hit a shot in the second quarter, but we're only up three, right? And if Booker shoots that one from half court, you know, half a second earlier, it's a tie game at half. I think he must have laid into this team. And holy crap, did Jamal Murray listen to that? And and Jokic, who was a monster in the third quarter, finished with 29-13-12, his 10th career playoff triple-double, broke a tie with Wilt Chamberlain for the most by any center in NBA history. He made 10 of his final 11 shots. And this guy right now, Jokic, is averaging... 31 points per game, 13 boards, 9.5 assists in the playoffs, shooting 53% from the field and 49% from three. This is what he's doing in the playoffs right now uh, as they take the 3-2 series lead here in the in the second round. But, man, I, I mean, again, I'm just guessing. Maybe Malone said nothing. Something tells me he did because he lost his voice. I think he laid into them. And, holy man, they delivered in that third quarter. And maybe, then it was over. Maybe he was angry that Jokic gave uh, Matt Ishbia the ball pregame. Oh, I love that. Could, that was fun. Could be it. Fun little clip. I think we have it, actually. Yeah, the pregame clip going around of... <laughs> Jokic finishing his warm-up. Walks by Matt Ishbia, tosses him the ball. Oh, we're having a laugh. I love how he gets rid of it right away. Yeah, he's like, I am not holding this. Don't want to keep that one. You're not going to get a photo of me holding this ball. 
You think uh, Ishbia regrets saying that Jokic shouldn't have been suspended for this game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, lean into it, really, if you're going <laughs> to... Actually, what I meant to say was we don't want the MVP out there with his triple doubles. <laughs> Whoops. Um, anything else from this no. one? Interesting that he traveled there to... Uh... To Denver to take this one in. Has he been on the road for the first two games? I don't know. I would assume so. New owner? You don't want to miss this. Yeah, come on. This is why he bought the team for <laughs> yeah, totally, billions of totally. dollars. To have courtside seats on the road or at home. I, I don't know for sure, but I would I would think so. Uh, yeah, just good stuff here from the Nuggets to regain control of this series. Uh, you went over a lot of the things that they sort of like fixed from their losses in, in, uh, in Phoenix. The transition. Defense on Booker, especially. At least trying to find him early and pushing up on him. Them scoring in transition, just easier points. And hitting threes obviously helps any team. They hit 13 to 27. And Bruce Brown, again, he had 25 off the bench. You don't want to call it a Bruce Brown game. I get that. That's fair. I mean, he's in oh, the I'm, rotation. I'm happy calling it a Bruce Brown game. Well, it was like the 25 <laughs> is amazing for him. This guy does not score 25 points per game. Uh-uh. Like, I mean, it must be his, like, I think it's his second highest scoring game of the season. Um, and some of it came, like, what, that third quarter, late third quarter, fourth quarter bridge where they, like, blew the game open. But he was making an impact. And, and, and we just keep talking about with the Nuggets, Trey. It's like, if Michael Porter Jr. can hit shots, and then obviously a guy like Bruce Brown or one of their guys on the bench um, can contribute in the scoring department, you, you got Jokic. You got Murray, who's, like, you know, a bit of a wild card from time to time in terms of, like, he's going to go for 35 or maybe struggle. That can be enough when you're running everything through your point uh, center there. And uh, Michael Porter Jr., I don't, you know, he had 19, 19 points on five threes. A lot five of threes. early. A lot, er, a lot of early yeah. threes, which I thought was big, kind of put the Suns in a tough predicament. But yeah, the role players play better at home. And that yeah. has been the case for both teams uh, so far in this series. They say a series doesn't start until a road team wins a game. So still waiting. <laughs> Pretty good series so far for it not starting, starting. yet. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Very uh, entertaining. All right, so fun games last night. Um, big, big wins there from the Sixers and the Nuggets to take the 3-2 series lead. We will take our first break, and when we come back, we got all defensive teams to talk about, and then we'll look ahead to tonight's other two series that could end in five. Don't go anywhere. All right, still here in the Classic Factory. Uh-oh. There's a fruit fly <laughs> hovering around. It showed up at the start of the second block yesterday, too. It loves the awards. Because Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr., headlined the NBA's all-defensive first team, which was announced on Tuesday afternoon. Triple J joined on the first team by two other finalists for that top defensive honor. We had Buck center Brooke Lopez and Cavs power forward Evan Mobley, along with guards Drew Holiday and Alex Caruso. The Bulls are back in the first team all defense. Uh, five players named to the first team made it pretty easily. They landed on at least 75 of the 100 ballots. Uh, you see the second team here. You got Jackson's teammate for how long? Dylan Brooks. He was one of five players named to the all defensive second team. Joined by Raptors forward OG Ananobi. Warriors forward Draymond Green. What's this like? His eighth selection? Something like that. Uh, Heat center Bam Adebayo. And Celtics guard Derek White. And uh, we got the voting breakdown here, at least for the first two teams. A lot of other guys' tasks getting some votes because there's a lot of great defenders in this league. But uh, was there a snub to you? Is there a name mm, that you were like? The old D-snub. Yeah, are you like, hold on, where's, where's so-and-so in the mix here? Jaden McDaniels is surprising to me uh, mm-hmm. of the great Wolves. Defender. Fantastic defender. 
I think, you know, you always got to mention somebody who you're going to take off. I'm not even going to do that. I would probably take off Dylan Brooks. Okay, I'll do it. Um, I, th- I think D- Jane McDaniels was is phenomenal. So that's the one. I, I, I wouldn't worry, Wolves fans. He'll make it next year. It always happens with this award. You have to like, OG, we did this forever with OG. Mm. Oh, how's OG not on one of these teams? How's OG not on one of these teams? And you say it enough, and then he gets like the credit that he gets on one of these teams. I will, gar- I will, I will guarantee it now. Jane McDaniels will be on an all-defensive team next year. <laughs> I'm calling my shot. But it does happen with this award. You really like you like you need like the swelling of support for a year where maybe you don't make the cut. Uh and then it sort of translates, I feel like, into the next year. But de swelling uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh did you have a snub? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I actually think there's a lot of snubs. No Giannis, so I think is a surprising one. He got more total votes and more points than Bam out of bio. But Brooke Lopez is the center for the Bucks, so Bam, uh, Bam makes it as the second center, yeah. and Giannis doesn't make it because OG Ananobi got talked about last year. Weird. <laughs> That's a weird one uh, to me. No Anthony Davis, I think, is a big snub because we're seeing him in the playoffs right now, and he's clearly the best defensive player in the league, but he missed a huge chunk of time during yeah. the regular season. This is a regular season award. Also weird that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year last year. Not making the team. He wasn't as good defensively this year. Derek White definitely was better than him. Uh, but yeah, um, certainly some snubs. You can make a whole third team yep. of all defensive players. 12 different guards received first place votes out of the uh, 100, 100 ballots uh, cast. Some of them were a little perplexing, I will admit. Some of the names that got a vote here or there. But for the most part, the 10 guys they named... And then some of them just not making it. You went through them. McDaniels, Giannis, AD. I mean, they're right there on the list. Are they getting rid of positions for this moving forward? Or did I make that up in my head last night? I don't know. I thought I saw something going around where it's like, it's going to be really weird when the first team is just five centers. I mean, we're going that way, right? Right. Uh, With with Brooke Lopez, Jaron Jackson Jr., borderline center, and Evan Mobley, borderline center. But it shows how important those guys are in today's NBA defending that rim. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, Yanis had more votes than Dylan Brooks, too. Um, but Positions, he plays a, play, plays a different position or whatever. Yeah, um, Dylan Brooks made it as a guard, I think, right? Yeah. 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 It's not a guard. <laughs> yeah, they start two guards. <laughs> yeah. Desmond Bain got a vote as a forward. Huh. <laughs> so huh. explain that one to me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. There's some weird ones. That's uh, a weird one. I guess Mikhail Bridges is another name that I, I always uh, consider as a, a really yeah, elite yeah, yeah. defensive wing player, and he's gotten some accolades before. Maybe the whole switch up there being traded. Oh yeah, hurt that's his true. chances. I don't know. Definitely. There's a lot of great wing like defenders. Claxton is a guy that got a lot of early defensive player yeah. of the year buzz, and then Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns, and nobody talked about Nick Claxton anymore. Right, it happens. Yep. Um, that's a, he had a great defensive year, no doubt, uh, Claxton. A lot of those bigs did, like Triple J, Brooke, Claxton, Embiid. <laughs> I mean, yep. he uh, obviously deserves uh, some mention here when you're talking about defenders. But let's hear from you guys. Biggest snub, surprise, whatever you want to call it, when it came to the all-defensive teams announced yesterday. Did we ever find out if the Rooks get anything? Did we follow up with anybody? Do the defensive guys get a plaque, a medal? Like a, uh, um, maybe a sheet of paper. That'd be great. <laughs> a certificate. Like a certificate at school. <laughs> a sticker. Yeah. Way to defend. <laughs> <laughs> all defense team. Uh, all right. Tonight's game fives. Let's talk about them. 
Uh, Heat Knicks is the first game, 7.30 on TNT. The Heat look to secure a series win over the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. A lot of doom and gloom right now to ask with Knicks fans. Uh, there's some out there trying to stay positive, hmm. but there are a lot going. Let's talk about the offseason. Uh, <laughs> you know, who are we trading? Uh, what are we doing? Uh, what What does New York New York have to do here to at least give us a game six in Miami? Or do you think this one's a wrap? It sure feels like the Knicks are getting calvesed. Whatever happened to the Cavs in, in the first round where they weren't taking the right shots and they weren't uh, rebounding the way that they should is happening to the Knicks. Yeah, they, just, they need better uh, shot selection. Um, they need to move that rock a little bit more. And, yeah, they need to rebound. Uh, but at the, at the same time, they started really well in, in game four there. Uh, and now they're down... 3-1 because they didn't want to rebound and because they got away from that good shot selection. They started off 10 of 15. Things were looking pretty good offensively, but because they gave the ball away uh, and just weren't ready to do the little things like rebound, they lost this game. Uh, so I, I say bad shot selection, but at, at the same time, just yeah, don't turn the thing over because uh, as much as people want to pile on Julius Randle, he was scoring. Everybody, uh, their, their big three in Barrett uh, him and Brunson were scoring pretty well. So just don't do the dumb things. Uh, and, the, and the Heat, take advantage of that. They took advantage. Uh, like Gabe Vincent just working his ass off to, to pull a Jose Alvarado in the backcourt. Uh, and 30 feet away from the rim, another steal early. Again, when, when the Knicks needed to get some momentum. So if they get that momentum again, they can, they can definitely win at home. But just don't do the dumb things. Quentin Grimes, don't try and dunk on Jimmy Butler when you get a drop-off. That's right there. So don't go, don't go and try and win it all in, in one possession. But also try and win it all in one possession. You know, rebound, <laughs> rebound that thing. Like oh, the win every possession. There you go. There you That's go. good. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> the Heat aren't going to beat themselves. That's the thing to me. Like mm-hmm. they'll have a poor shooting night, but they're giving effort everywhere else. They're yep. defending. They're trying things, switching from man to zone, double teams, all this kind of stuff. You know, the Heat are going to play a game that can win a playoff game. The Knicks just have to do the same thing. They need everything to go right. They need a good Julius Randle game. They need a clutch Jalen Brunson game. And they got to hit some threes. I was watching uh, game three, I suppose, over at Grisham's house. There was a Knicks fan in attendance. He was asking for Evan Fournier to play. Oh, boy. That's how bad it's gotten for Knicks fans. They're like, we need somebody to make some three-pointers. Fournier is still a Nick. I looked it up. (laughs) <laughs> he hasn't basically played since February. He got a little time at the end of the season uh, when it was tank time and they'd already secured their seed. But if you're asking for Evan Fournier, things are dire. Yeah. Things are dire in New York right now. The the Knicks specifically, in my opinion, need two things here tonight. They need, and you're going to be able to tell within the first three minutes, you usually can with this guy, they need the, the massive Mitchell Robinson game to like, Go to work on the boards here. Clean up everything inside there and at least neutralize Bam. Uh, and if not, obviously give us more opportunities on the offensive end. He needs to do that. The other thing is they desperately need the Julius Randle game where he suddenly hits five or six three-pointers. I'm not yes. sure he's got <laughs> they it, it, but they need it because they do not right now have enough quality shooters uh, that is that are making a difference in the series. I think Brunson's been pretty excellent. Barrett attacks, and as you know, at times he like he has great moments and then he sort of disappears. But they need the huge Julius Randle game because a big difference maker too in this series has been Miami's depth. Uh, that second unit has been sort of dominating here. Like these guys are all contributing in Lowry and Martin 
And obviously, you know, just like it goes sort of down the roster here, these guys that come in, you know, Duncan Robinson hitting threes and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not sure that that you're going to get that really from the Knicks, you know, especially with the quickly injury and all of that. Uh, who is playing tonight? Doubtful? Out? He didn't play I don't last think so. game, He's right? in the boot last game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's a go tonight, but um, Randall, <laughs> you need to hit those threes tonight. At least uh, see if you got it in you early. You're a streaky shooter. We'll see if uh, Madison Square Garden can rally the Knicks to a to a game five victory here, or do the Heat smell blood? And this could be you know a scary Jimmy game too. There's always that lurking. Jimmy, oh god, shushing the MSG crowd or something like that, sending them home waving. I mean, you yeah. can picture it. He didn't play the last game <laughs> in MSG, right? He didn't play game two. Game two. Yeah. And that was the one where he was like. Walking off oh, the yeah, court. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I'll see you soon. Mm. See you soon. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll see. Uh, the second game tonight, Lakers-Warriors, 10 o'clock on TNT. Is this the end of the Warriors dynasty? <laughs> is this the end? Or what does Steve Kerr even do here? He is... <laughs> yes, switched things up and guys starting and Looney not playing and all this. Um, what do you think? Do you have any read on a, a game five here in the Bay? I'm just excited. I can't wait. Like this uh, to me seems like the premier game of the playoffs so far because we got LeBron coming into a closeout game, knowing that if they win this one, they get a little bit more rest for the conference finals, which would be huge for LA. It's also a home game against the end of the dynasty. Conditions are perfect for an absolute classic here. I think it's going to be a Steph Curry cooking kind of game because when the cards are down for the Warriors, that's when they finally decide we're going heliocentric. We don't want to do it. Strength in numbers is the way that the Warriors would rather play. Uh, But when it comes down to it, Steph Curry is happy to go for 50 points in a game seven like he did against Sacramento and just shoot more than he has the entire year. I assume it'll be very similar tonight, so... If this is the end of the Warriors dynasty, I expect them to go out swinging at the very least. Yeah, I expect uh, role players to play better. It was a super close game the other night. It wasn't It wasn't a blow by any means. came down to the wire. They just struggled at the end of the game. So I expect uh, their depth to be a little bit better. Their lineup change of putting Gary Payton the second worked. He was really good. And so I imagine they stick with that. Um, board a little bit better and, and probably go back to Gary Payton the second more. He only played 23 minutes, but was awesome 15 points uh plus three in his minutes so i think they found something uh and you know they, they they've got performances out of a bunch of guys so it's not it's not dire by any means um at home anyway the fun chess match in this series has been the warriors hey steph curry pick and roll get 80 into the action but then Ham's counter was like moving AD off guy, especially Draymond Green, who wants to always set that pick for Steph Curry. So he's on somebody else. But I wonder if tonight, specifically, like you said, desperate, wherever AD is, that's the guy that's coming in pick and roll action with Steph Curry to get him out on the perimeter to then force, uh, you know, the defense to stretch a little bit and then have maybe Clay hit some threes maybe it is pool a broken man or does he have a, a game in him here um he'll get i would imagine kirk gives him an opportunity in this one it won't be a long leash but not a long leash you know he he can catch fire this guy but maybe his confidence is just completely shaken right now i'm not sure but i would look to see how aggressive Kerr curry is in putting AD in any sort of action, all action, because Ham did an awesome job. Like, all right, we'll just move Ham off of Draymond Green. You want Draymond Green to always have the pick and roll. You don't want Wiggins as much. You don't want some of these other guys out there, but I think they should just seek him out. Uh, 
Yeah, is Wiggins the best can score. Thing. Like you can yep. run a pick and roll with Wiggins. Yep. He's not a playmaker like Draymond is in a four on three. He missed a lot of open threes uh, in Game Four, but he had three twenty point games against Sacramento. Hasn't had one yet against LA. And if it's pick and roll mode for the Warriors, Wiggins is going to have some looks. So he's got to knock him down. Look. Both the Knicks and the Warriors are in a tough spot here. I think it's 95% of teams that are down 3-1 go on to lose that series, right? Um, so they're in the driver's seat, the Heat and the uh, Lakers are. But which more, which uh, series is more likely to end tonight, in your opinion? Because we do have the Game 5s at least at home for New York and Golden State. <laughs> That's the thing going for New York, they're at home. But that one's the one that uh, feels way worse. Um, Again, the Knicks shot really well last game, and they still lost. That was their problem. Um, They they shot decent from three, decent enough to win. They matched the heat scoring-wise. They just couldn't do the uh, shooting-wise, I should say. And then uh, they lost because they're not fighting. Um, The life for that team feels far, far worse, Mm. worse off than the Warriors. Would you agree, agree, Trey? More, more likely to end, definitely, yeah. uh, the Knicks. I mean, the Heat, the only game they've lost, Jimmy Butler didn't play. And I think it kind of goes that way. I think we're more likely to see a classic Jimmy Butler, Madison Square Garden moment than the Knicks actually pull out the win. So they're, <laughs> that one's over, I do think, tonight. All right. You tell us out there watching right now live on YouTube, listening to the podcast later, tweet at us, at no dunk sink. Uh Which series more likely to end, Heat, Knicks, or the Lakers Warriors. We gotta take one more break. It's a quick one. When we come back, uh, very funny tweet of the night. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adrian Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. This might be controversial, but the Tweet of the Night. It comes from me. From myself. Trey Kirby tweeted last night, I asked AI to create an image of Kevin Garnett playing Jenga, and wow, wow. look at the results on this. This is crazy. I love the responses. This is exactly how I pictured it. (laughs) You can tell it's AI because of the hoodie. AI can do hands now? We're doomed. Yeah, that's true. These are real. Yeah. This is a real show that existed. Area 21, we didn't know it at the time, but it basically was a real-life AI script. (laughs) You just type in a prompt, and it actually made it to TNT. Kevin Garnett meets Backpack Kid. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kevin Garnett plays Jenga. Kevin Garnett watches contortionist dancing. It all happened. And he always did it with his hoodie halfway on his head. He sure did. (laughs) There were, like, entire blog posts written about how Kevin Garnett was able to keep a hoodie on only half of his head. Incredible stuff. Incredible times. But for me, this is really how I do use uh, AI. I know someday it'll probably take over our lives and maybe turn on us. But right now, I just put a celebrity in and have them do something weird. Like Vin Diesel eating a tuna sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Cruise carrying groceries. What would it look like? Uh, Right. right. (laughs) But a lot of the times right now, like uh, there's like a mangled finger. There's always something something distorted. They really really knocked it out of the park on this one with Kevin Garnett. Can you imagine that guy playing Jenga? That's exactly what it would look like. So who are you um, in that photo? Which which Kevin Uh, Garnett are you when you which of the Jenga. four yeah. uh mouth open pulling mouth ooh, pushing <laughs> mouth tongue uh, is it gonna fall or intense face eyeballing my next move i think i'm the ooh mouth number two okay. personally okay uh, that one's my favorite uh the only one where you can see his ear <laughs> that's Big right ear fan Tasty, who are you when you what play jangle uh, what a good segment i cannot go wait to wait and watch this segment uh on youtube it's in full, I imagine. Oh, we don't know. Uh, I hope so. I bet, I bet it exists out there. Um, <laughs> because this was, this was, I'm sure, it was a great segment. Uh, I'm number four. Uh, Kevin Garnett's just. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm What's going to happen? Too. What is going to happen? Is that that's what that face is saying? My favorite part about number four, he's giving like the ooh to this <laughs> Jenga setup. Three blocks, it appears, have been pulled. Like, it's, like, not that crazy a game yet to me to be, like... Like, that thing's far from toppling, my gut says. I know we can't see the bottom of it, but, uh... I don't know. It looks a little wobbly. <sighs> Does it? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Did we ever find out how he kept the hood up? Was it just perspiration? I thought he credited thought he it said to, like... It's stubble, no? Yeah, I thought it was oh, stubble, hair, like, barely it. being grown back. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a makeshift Velcro on his head, kind of. Because it is a very light... Hoodies. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they wouldn't they take generally, much abrasion. Yeah, they were always like that. I feel like that light hoodie. Yeah, variation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, summer hoodie. All right, there is a there is summer. a full segment. It looks to be on uh, Facebook. 
he's playing against Kendrick Perkins in Jenga. <laughs> I'm just watching over your shoulder as, as he good. gently touches that low block. I mean, he's going back to it like a thousand times before pulling it I mean, it they're into it. They are so into it. Well, I believe oh, so that. This Kevin Garnett is into whatever he's <laughs> totally. doing. Man. He's intense. Totally. They have the cameras on at all times. Here. I got a feeling that uh, Perk's going to win this one. Okay. Uh, uh, I have a little trivia here before we say goodbye on today's podcast. Uh, Again, Jokic, his 10th career playoff triple-double. This is from, you know where, Statitudes. He's the second fastest player to get to 10 triple-doubles in the playoffs. Um, He took 58 games to get there. Do you know who's done it faster and then maybe some of the other ones behind Jokic on the list? 10 triple-doubles in the playoffs, fewest amount of games. Who did it faster than Jokic? Rondo? Rondo is took 92 games, so he's fourth. Oof. Oscar Robertson on the list? He's not on this Magic list. Johnson? Magic Johnson is the sure, answer. Sure, 26 sure, sure. games. That's it for wow. Magic there. Wow. Uh, and then the other names are fun. Um, a lot of the, Some of them current players. Uh, a couple of them have been coaches. LeBron? Uh, LeBron is there, 132 games. Some have been coaches. Yeah. Coaches getting a triple double, like I mean, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, ninety-one. Yeah, just beat Rondo. Uh, there's one more, two more current players you guys haven't named, and then one, one legend. Westbrook, Larry, keyword legend. Larry, Larry Bird, one hundred fifty-one. Westbrook, ninety-eight Westbrook, games. Good one. Final one. Did it faster than LeBron? Faster than LeBron? Luca? Nope. It probably is. No, no, time no he has yeah. played that many. This guy took one hundred twenty-three games, so it's a you know a decent chunk. Guy played a lot of playoff games. He's playing right now. Draymond Green? Ding, ding, ding. Nice. Magic, Jokic, Kid, Rondo, Westbrook, Green, LeBron, Larry Bird. That's pretty good. All right. Talked a little Jenga, KG Perk, and then a little trivia at the end. We'll call it there. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll find out whether they both wrap up in Madison Square Garden in San Francisco uh, and we'll be back to talk about them tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern so join us live here from the Classic Factory also tomorrow we'll have a new no buffs in the afternoon Survivor is on tonight as well busy busy night uh, on your television thanks for joining us here hit the like button subscribe leave your boys a five star rating and review if you're a podcast listener till then Clipper Bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome Thanks for joining us, and we're officially at 69,000. We're at 68,000. I was going to lie, but forget it, because the number's pretty good, 68,969. <laughs> That's sort of nice. A ni- yeah, tiny nice. <laughs> Lowercase nice. Brace the day, people.